Hey everyone, and welcome to the Yes I Can podcast, where our mission is to inspire and empower you to transform your life and transform the world by being fully, unapologetically, authentically you. I'm your host, Paul Can, and every week we are going to share amazing stories, strategies, and coaching to help you break through your limiting beliefs and supercharge your greatest superpower, the power of you. Your best life awaits. Let's go. This episode is sponsored by Soul Sister, a company that creates hand-sewn inspirational clothing and products for everyone. What I love about them is their products embody authenticity. Each of their creations is different, and when it comes to designs and fabrics, they can create something that uniquely reflects you or your loved ones. And their mission is to live in a world with zero landfill fabric waste, and they source landfill fabrics from around the world and transform them into something beautiful. It's also founded by my amazing friend, Sean Create Parody, who's an incredible human being with a heart of gold. And I've seen her turn old keepsakes, jerseys, meaningful clothing items into a -a one-of-a-kind quilt. And in an age where most of our gifts come mass-produced, you just can't get more meaningful and unique gifts than that. So go check them out at www.soulsister.com, spelled S-E-W-L sister.com. Let's support our local businesses. Plus, with each purchase, you'll support organizations that assist with moving victims out of human trafficking. Soul Sister teaches sewing in local communities to those affected by human trafficking, empowering them to create beauty again. So once again, go check them out at www.soulsister.com, S-E-W-L sister.com. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Yes, I Can podcast. And it is great to be back behind the mic again. I haven't done a episode where it's just myself without a guest for a very long time. And um, recently, I had the opportunity to really take a pause and reevaluate the direction that I was going in with my podcast, as well as the different areas of my life, my businesses, my different ventures. And truly up until I would say the past couple of weeks, I have been on go, go, go mode. And there's been so much that has been happening in my life. So many massive changes that I think I didn't really have the opportunity to really sit back and evaluate in terms of where I'm going, why I'm doing what I'm doing. And at the same time, I was in this hyper growth mode of my personal life of who I was and where I was headed. And it was just happening so fast that I think often it was really hard for me to catch my breath. And just in the past year, just so much has happened. I mean, just from a year ago, my life looks so incredibly different. Just to reflect back a year ago, my father-in-law had passed away and my business was completely on hold. I was really struggling to, to make ends meet to really figure out what I wanted to do with my business and and really make an income. My wife had left her corporate job and we were in a really tough place. Um, we were in a really tough place to a point of where we were on government assistance, we were on food stamps, and it was probably the lowest point of my life. At the same time, we were trying to get pregnant and we were really struggling and, and we couldn't. And so from that point on, after my father-in-law passed away, it was a big reset in our lives. And it was almost like right after this whole floodgate opened of life-changing abundance of just life-altering events. Very shortly afterwards, I started captaining a leadership team. And at the exact same time, uh, we got pregnant. My wife, uh, 
became pregnant after going through IVF. And then uh, I started a new corporate job, which I didn't think I would go back into, I would say, quote unquote, corporate as in working for somebody else. I thought that I was just going to go straight into entrepreneurship and never go back. But sometimes life just takes you on different tangents for us to learn different things that serve us at that time. And in that time, I really needed to get back into to working for someone because I, I hadn't quite figured out where I wanted to go myself yet. And so, so much was happening at that time. And um, it was just full speed ahead, um, running a, a thousand miles per hour. And I, I really struggled to catch my breath as, as soon as I had an opportunity to pause after um, graduating from that leadership program. Uh, we jumped right into preparing for our, for our baby. Um, and then after very shortly, um, I left actually my corporate job and decided to jump back full time into my own business. And then from there, we were uh, going straight into my client that I jumped into working with. And then pretty much my son was uh, about to be to, about to be born. And in that exact same time, we did a crazy thing and decided to go buy a house. But um, you know, that all happening all at once, I highly don't recommend it in terms of having a baby at the same time as <laughs> moving. It is absolutely insane. Uh, but it just so happened. It, it was an opportunity that fell on our lap. And um, we were just like, oh, man, just go for it anyways. I think that's what life is about. Sometimes it presents you with opportunities that we can either hold ourselves back in fear and in limitation of we can't do this or it's not the time or I don't know, or trust, trust the process, trust the opportunity, trust what is coming up for you in that moment in your heart and trust your vision and take the leap. And that's really what we did at that moment. So it was so much. And then of course my son was born and it was a complete handful, uh, at the exact same time. And, uh, then we headed off to Canada actually for my, my TEDx talk. And so, so much was happening. It was this in, incredible expansion on the outside, but at the same time, I was really grappling on the inside. And, um, a big part of that was, was figuring out who I was in this new, uh, arena. It's this new chapter of my life, especially now being a father. And I had realized that my outside world was expanding so fast that my inside world wasn't keeping up with it. And so in the spirit of talking about authenticity on this podcast, um, there was many moments where I started kind of figuring out and questioning again, who am I? And what do I stand for in this world? What do I want to create? What do I want to accomplish? And especially now with a son, what is my legacy that I want to leave here? And I had a big giant question mark. I didn't really know what that was supposed to be. And I took a big pause and I went to Spain uh, pretty recently, actually a week ago uh, to really take a pause. And that was the very first time that I got to take a step back and look internally and be with silence and be with myself and nobody else. There was nothing to do. There was nothing to attend to, just me, myself, and I. And it was a very scary place to be. And uh, I was incredibly nervous leading up to it because I think some of the most uncomfortable places we can possibly go is within ourselves. And often that's why we ignore it. I know that's why I often avoid it. Or we find other ways to fill in the silence, to fill in the space so that we don't have to look at it. We don't have to look within ourselves because often when we do, it's incredibly uncomfortable and we have to really face the things that are most challenging for us, our inner demons, which is the, I would say the most difficult thing to overcome is our own traumas and our own limiting beliefs and our own blocks and 
things within us that need uh, need healing. So I thought it was incredibly fitting after coming back and really getting grounded on the direction I was headed in my life. And that direction and that compass was what would bring in me the highest joy. And one of the things that brings me the absolute highest joy is speaking. And I had really been shying away from the mic from a really long time. So it's, uh, it's time that I get to jump back in front of the mic. And it really got me to reevaluate the direction I wanted to take my podcast, which uh, I did a lot of interviews up until this point. And now I'm taking a bit of a different direction where I'm, I'm going to be creating a lot more of my own content because I have so much to offer. I've just been authentically afraid of the spotlight at times. I think the, the bigger the stage, the also bigger the, uh, the fear gets at times. It doesn't necessarily shrink. It just looks different and uh, different challenges, uh, different things come up as we continue to evolve. And that was definitely for me, I thought that I had definitely broken through that in terms of owning the spotlight and, and owning my space and really owning my voice. But I had broken through the first levels of it, but there was, there's still so much learning to do. And there's still uh, the next level, the next cut for me for where I get to go. And so I'm really excited to be back behind the mic again and to start creating some of my own content. And I think the perfect topic to dive into for today, as I was thinking about what do I want to do this episode on is I would say the most complex yet simple question that we can possibly have for ourselves. And that is who am I? Who am I? Or the other perspective of who are you? Who are you? And that has been a question that I've been trying to figure out my whole life. And I think many of you can probably relate to this in terms of figuring out who am I? Who am I? And there's so many layers to that question because when we often ask that question, we can think about things that are super obvious. So how we look or the things we do or our job, our careers, our businesses, who we are in relationship to other people like father, mother, sister, brother, husband, wife, partner. Often we can define ourselves by these surface level descriptors, but to really know who we are requires a much deeper excavation as well as a much deeper inquiry into the parts of us that often we don't see or we don't spend a lot of time with or maybe we keep hidden or in the shadows because it's just simply too uncomfortable to look at. And also requires, I believe, an incredible level of courage to face the parts of us that are often the most difficult to look at. It's probably the parts of us that we don't like to see or we judge ourselves the most on, or we have a ton of guilt or shame around because of different things that we've done that we're not proud of or, or who we've been that we know isn't our best, but yet we haven't addressed it and we've allowed it to linger within our psyche, within our consciousness as judgment that we haven't let go of or shame that we haven't forgiven ourselves for or also let go of. And so for me, it's been such a journey around this question of who am I? And for the first 19 years of my life, 
it was really about figuring out who I was on the outside because there was such a mismatch in terms of who I knew I was on the inside. I knew I always, I was a man, I was a boy, but on the outside, I wasn't. And there was such a polarity between the two of constantly going back and forth, like a tug of war of trying to figure out who I am. So it really was this journey of figuring out who I truly was because I really didn't have words to it. I mean, I didn't even know what transgender was until I was about 18, 19 when I discovered that on YouTube at that time. And before that, I never even met a transgender person in my life. I didn't even know that was an option, frankly, in terms of an identity. So my whole life, I just knew there was something quote unquote wrong with me that the version of me that I knew I was, or I thought I was, didn't match the version of me that other people wanted me to be. And so that was a huge struggle for me trying to figure that out. And then after when I figured out that I was a transgender man, then the next, I call it just past a decade of my life has been a different type of figuring out. It's been figuring out of who I truly am on the inside. And I find that part is probably more difficult than the first 20 years of my life, because that part required a ton more excavation and digging and work than simply researching and finding a label for myself or a descriptor for myself. Even though it was physically challenging for me to transition to have the outside of myself match the inside, it was much more difficult to go deeper with and to peel back the layers to revisit the trauma and the pain and the stories I've had of myself, the shame and the guilt of all the things that I've accumulated to make me who I am. And then seeing parts of that that I didn't like. And then peeling back and trying to figure out which part of this is actually authentically me, the true parts of me, and which parts of this is simply a facade or something that I've developed over time as a protectionist mechanism. And I think that's a question that many of us often grapple with in terms of really figuring out which version of me is the true version of me and who am I that I am putting up as a facade or a front or a mask that I thought has become me, but actually is two different, two different people. Um, and I think the reason why it's so complex as well is because there's so many different influences. I think between society and culture and expectations that other people have of us and we have of ourselves, our history, where we came from, the people in our lives. And then there's layers that come from our own life experiences. So our trauma, our pain, our impactful moments. I think that as a society, as a, as a, as a as a overall in our in our everyday culture we don't do a very good job with addressing those layers if anything if you think about social media technology today it has given us more and more tools to distract us away from actually addressing those layers and they become deeper they become thicker and uh, they start accumulating mass over time and that mass becomes heavier and more difficult to break through over time. It's kind of like not cleaning your house every single week and you leave it until the end of the year. And all of a sudden, something that maybe would have taken 10 minutes to clean up, all of a sudden is like a whole day or two or three days to actually clean up. And it's disgusting. It's thick. It's crusty. It's, you know, you got to get a, a shovel. You got to get a hammer. You got to get, uh, get a cleaning crew to come in and, and clean house. It's kind of like that. But it's funny that we often do that for our external environments, but not so much on our internal environments. And I think there gets to be a much better job that 
we get to do as as a humanity to encourage and to bring out uh bring to light the importance of of really focusing on our mental health as well as doing the inner work to address the layers that we've built over time that really cover up who we authentically are and i've learned so much in these past 3 months from my son my my baby son who is now 3 months around authenticity around identity of who i am of who we are and what i love about when i watch him is that it's very in the moment and it's not just him just babies in general are such a great example of authenticity it it, it is the perfect example of authenticity because what you see is literally what you get in the moment. So for my son, he is naturally very, very talkative and social, even from we were watching videos of him the other day from when he was first born. And even in a couple of weeks, he was already cooing. He was already wanting to talk. You can tell that he really wanted to be interactive. He was very, he had a lot of expressions in terms of the way that he would want to interact with people around him. He's very joyful. So he loves to smile, he loves to laugh, and at the same time, he's very feisty. He's definitely got some fire in him where uh, he, he wants what he wants and he wants it now. And at the same time, he's very intense. He can really look at something and stare at something very intense uh, with a very intense gaze. And he's very observant. So he will track people, he'll look, and he'll, he'll look over and really look at what's going on and, and, and take that all in. And they're all different. Ex- and then there's ex- different expressions of himself, which is very moment to moment. So he can be laughing or upset or sad and angry and frustrated. But the very core of him is he is a very joyful, he's a very fiery, passionate, talkative, social people person, if you want to call it that. That is who he is authentically. And that just is natural. It come, it's, that was who he is coming out of the womb. And there's many different babies that have different personalities that you can see actually at from a very, very early age. And the really interesting thing about him is that he doesn't judge himself. He doesn't judge himself on how much he eats or how much he sleeps or whether he's drooling or not, or how he's looking or how he's in the 99th percentile for his size. He doesn't judge himself on any of that. But then we've observed that even at such a young age, that other people's interpretations start seeping in. Not that he knows about it yet. And maybe there's the energetic aspect where he can feel how people interact with him, if they are loving or if they are not, or if they're more reserved, or if they are in an energy of of being frustrated or angry. He can definitely feel that. But when I talk about interpretations, I'm starting to notice how much us as adults, us as societies, as a society in, in, in totality, how much we put our own stuff and our judgments onto children, onto babies. Because as himself right now, he has no judgments about himself. Everything's neutral. It's just whatever is his most authentic expression in the moment. But What I find is that as adults, we start putting our judgments and that's where we start changing the way that children grow up to be. And that's why when they're babies, they are so free and they are so expressive in what is true for them. And then over time, they become more guarded. They start changing the way that they are. They start 
changing themselves according to the environments that it's in. It's, there's tons of different studies that have been done about this. And what I realized, even just with my son, is that, for example, when he uses his voice, when he is very, very vocal and expressive about how he's feeling, some of the things that I've heard is, oh, he's, he's, he's complaining. Oh, you're just complaining. I heard this from a doctor, actually. Well, he was in that, he was in the, the children's hospital because he had a, a uh, I, um, he had a UTI. And obviously he was very uncomfortable. And when you have people coming in, poking and probing you, yeah, you're going to be pretty vocal about it. But then the doctors would be, oh, look at you. You're just complaining. You're just complaining, aren't you? And we had to correct it be like, yeah, he's, he's really good at using his voice. And I think it's very interesting how we put that interpretation on children. It's like, oh, you're complaining, making it a bad thing that they're using their voice. And then they get older and then we're in the boardroom and we ask people, why are you not using your voice? Why are you not vocalizing? what how you feel and being expressive and like making a difference and owning your power like it's so it's so interesting if you think about it, how backwards it gets but it's because we put our interpretations and we start molding people we start influencing we start, start affecting people babies children according to our own judgments and i think it's really really important to to be aware of that and another thing that i've seen as well is that when he cries like there was a period of time when he was crying a lot and there would be different interpretations and comments around how he was a bad or a difficult baby because he was just expressing himself. Like how many times in society, everyday life, we make people wrong for expressing themselves, for crying, making that a weakness. And then we start having all these problems with emotional expression. We have relationships where literally the partners, the individuals can't express themselves. I know I was in that place for a long time. I couldn't cry. I couldn't laugh. I was just kind of flatlined. And then our partners are saying, well, why aren't you intimate with me? Not just from a, from a sex perspective, but intimacy in terms of how we are ex- expressing ourselves and being with each other, the richness of emotions. I think often we limit it so much. And it's because we make things like crying wrong. I mean, how many times do we look at a child or when we see them crying or throwing a tantrum or being upset, and then we look at them with such judgment and say, ugh, like, why can't those parents just get their kids under control? Or why are you crying so much? Get it together. Suck it up. Man up. Be strong. And then we make expression of emotions wrong. And then we become like emotionally constipated when we get older. And then we have to go to therapy and we got to go to intensive breakthrough work and inner work to, to, to undo all of that. So you know, why don't we really just, if anything, be very aware that we're doing it in the first place so that we don't put that on children so that they can have, they can continue to explore and express their entire spectrum of emotions. It's, it's, it's showing increasingly with research that emotional expression, having a range of emotional expression is so important for the health, the mental health, especially of, of a child, of a person, um, their ability to resolve conflicts and deal with challenges really has to do with their uh, ability or inability to express emotion that, that when, when we have repressed emotion, that's where a lot of problems start coming up around anger and bitterness and rage, and um, just also being emotionally stuck as well. So there's that. And then also my son's a really big boy. My son is a big, big boy. He is right now three months and he is already wearing nine month clothes. <laughs> and last time we weighed him, he was over 17 pounds already, which is crazy. But the thing about it is, is that that's just actually how he is. We're not like we're feeding him anymore. And according to the doctor, everything is just, we're feeding him as normal. Uh, but he just, he just absorbs it that much, that much, you know, more, more than other children. And he's just 
growing faster. And there's narratives around him being fat or, ooh, that's just like, like disgust. Oh, he is so big. Like, oh my goodness. Like I actually had uh, a family friend that said that. He's like, oh, your son is so, oh my goodness. He's so huge. Like he's just massive. Like what, like almost like a, what is wrong with him? Oh, thank goodness. I don't have to deal with that with my grandchildren. Like, where do we, like, why do we have that narrative? Like, where, like, notice how we are making things wrong, like what we view as the normal way to be. And if it's anything outside of that, we place our judgments. And that's why we also start creating insecurities around body type, around weight. And that really comes from this sense of shame that's put upon it. So I'm, it's, it's these, these, these commentaries, they really start seeping into our identity. And then we start telling ourselves these stories about who we are and that parts of us is wrong. And that we need to change it to please others and to be liked, to be good enough. And so that's why it's, it's, it's so care- We need to be so careful. And we've been really careful around our, our son to not place our judgments of him. Of course, I'm not perfect by any means that I got to constantly correct myself or I stop myself or I, I have to backtrack and really catch myself. Uh, but we're, we're very, very cognizant on doing our job as his parents to teach him to not let that affect him as best as we can, that there is nothing inherently wrong with who he is, that this is authentically him. And he gets to be proud of that. He gets to love that all parts of himself. And so what if we got to treat each other in this way? What if we got to look at each other in the lens of looking at an infant at a baby in a way that they're pure and authentic and there's nothing wrong with them? What if we got to start treating each other this way instead of from a a lens of what's right and wrong, good or bad? So when we dive into the topic of, of who are you, I think that it really falls into a few different aspects that we really get to evaluate. And one is that who you are, does it bring you the highest joy? Does it serve others? Does it have a positive or negative effect on others? And there's always this aspect of be yourself, absolutely be yourself. And there's also being yourself in terms of being authentic in a way that works and being authentic in a way that doesn't work. What do I mean by that? Is that I used to be that person. I thought that, hey, I'm just being authentic. I'm being who I am right now. This is who I am. I am sarcastic. I crack jokes. This is just me. I'm being authentic. I'm saying what's on my mind. But then what I didn't realize is that it was at the expense of other people. I would make jokes on uh, about other people. And, and the being funny at the expense of other people. And so what I realized is that in the authenticity, I wasn't connected to how am I, how am I making others feel in my authenticity? Yes, I'm being authentic, but does it work? Is it serving other people? Is it inspiring and empowering or is it demeaning and judgmental? So we really get to evaluate that when you look at yourself in terms of who you are. Your highest self is one that is loving, is connected, is joyful, is peaceful, is uh, empowering, inspiring. I mean, look at yourself as when you were a baby. That is who you purely are. There's no baby that is out there to be malicious. Every baby is just authentically expressing who they are. There's nothing wrong with who they are at all. And they don't put any judgment on themselves. That's purely who you were. But over time, it's just different layers have built on things that you have taken on masks or facades or layers and walls to protect yourself. And some of that isn't who you are. It's just who you became. It's a version of you, but it's not your highest self. It's really important to separate the two 
because your authentic self would bring you the highest joy. It would also bring the highest joy to others. Now, not as in pleasing everybody, but then the people that you are meant to serve, that you're meant to make a difference for, you are, you are, ha- you would have a positive impact. You would have a, a, you would, you would be showing up in a way that really empowers and inspires them, really makes a difference for them. Versus the part that is not you is one that does not create that. It creates the opposite of that. And so what that really comes from is ultimately, I think the second question really is how well do you really know yourself? Not in a superficial way, as in what you see on the outside. But I'm curious, when was the last time you truly looked at yourself? When was the last time you looked at yourself in the mirror? Not just to comb your hair, to do your makeup, or to put in your hair gel or wash your face. When was the last time that you truly looked at yourself, like deeply into your own eyes? It's a very difficult exercise. Actually, most people find it incredibly difficult to look at themselves, myself included. For a very, very long time, most of my life, I could not look at myself in the mirror because I couldn't stand the person looking back at me. And why is that? It's because I had deep shame. I had deep shame about who I was, a complete lack of self-love. I had self-hatred about myself. I felt like there was something inherently wrong with me. I was very judgmental of myself. I thought I was too fat. I was ugly. I was too short. I was XYZ. I had a lot of guilt about who I was and how I'd showed up in my life. Um, And there was a lot of judgments of myself from every single angle. So looking at yourself in the mirror is a really great exercise And if you notice these things around it being difficult, what about it is really difficult? What part do you see that is difficult to look at for you? What part is difficult to really spend time with? And that's a great place. It's a great place to start Uh, because then you can really start inquiring about where did this come from? When did this start? And so when you look at yourself in the mirror, my invitation for you, you, if you choose to do this exercise, is to sustain the eye contact. Is it difficult for you? Is it easy for you? If it's difficult, what comes up when you look at yourself? What is the dialogue that you're telling yourself about yourself? What bothers you the most? And then from that place, you can start getting curious about where that comes from. It's the most uncomfortable first step, really looking at yourself. But it is when we start looking at ourselves that we can really start differentiating who we are and who we are being. There's two different things. You can be a certain way. It doesn't mean that's who you are because it's not the same thing. You are not your results. You are not your results. And I I love this TEDx talk that I was recently at. So the TEDx talk that I did, TEDx White Ave, there was a, a, a psychologist and he was talking about how the narrative of always a drug addict, you will, a drug addict is always a drug addict is flawed. It's incorrect. And that's the same as any other narrative. I believe that you can just plug in to that, such as always a, uh, a bully was a bully, always a bully, you know, always in, was insecure, always insecure was a asshole. Always will be an asshole. That's not true. That is narratives that we put on people. That is our own absolute statements that we put on other people. And it could be so restricting and damning because people feel, we feel, we start feeling like this is who I am and there's nothing to do about it. And we start giving up. We're like, screw it. This is just, this is just me. This is just who I am. There's nothing. I will never change. And that is the furthest thing from the truth. And the first thing to really undo that is to give ourselves space. 
we are in such a noisy society. We're in such a noisy environment. And it's not even just about actual noise, like music, for example, or TV or social media. Yes, there is all of that stuff. But we as a society are very bad with being with silence. And I am totally a a part of that statement as well. I have up until now and recently been very bad at being with silence because silence is so uncomfortable. When we are with silence, we have to be with our thoughts. We have to be with ourselves. There's nothing else. And there's nothing more uncomfortable than that, especially if we haven't been doing that regularly. So in order to create space is to create silence. And the silence at first can maybe be 30 seconds. can maybe be a minute. Start small. It doesn't have to be meditating for an hour or two. That's incredibly advanced. And not everyone can just jump to that. But it's starting to give yourself pockets of silence, to just be with yourself, to pause, to breathe, to be is so important, to settle, to be grounded. Taking time with yourself is so important. Dating yourself, being with yourself, not having to constantly be around other people because we start mixing in ourselves with others and we don't give space for us to look at ourselves. And then also taking away numbing agents. We have so many ways that we numb as a society. We have music, people as well, filling ourselves with people, social events constantly, packing our schedules full. Social media is, of course, I mean, well-documented from the scrolling, just getting addicted to that. I can attest to that. I've definitely been a part of that. Still, I catch myself doing that all the time, just the scrolling. It's so so numbing. It's so easy just to keep scrolling for hours. The next thing you know, it's like half the day is gone. Alcohol and drugs. Even being addicted to work. Working can be a noise as well. It can be a numbing agent. Throwing ourselves in our work. I definitely used that used to be me for sure, being a workaholic. Different things, different noises that we put in our lives, right? And filling ourselves with stuff. Things like porn, things like sex, like all of those things can be numbing agents. It's to take us away from experiencing our experience. And when we take those things away, we can really be with ourselves, the discomfort of whatever is coming up and facing it. And it's difficult and it's challenging, but it definitely is an important first step to move towards really getting to know yourself. And if you don't know yourself, you can't be grounded with what's happening around the world. You get swayed left, right, and center. You get swayed by people's opinions and what's happening and and circumstances because you're not grounded in who you are. We're not grounded in who we are. And that's why it is so incredibly important to start with the question of who are you? Because when you start facing yourself, then you start looking at the parts like, what am I afraid to see? What am I afraid to see? And that is truly when the true work starts. That's truly when the magic happens is when we face that, face that difficult question. And so there's so many different blocks that are often in our way. I mean, from shame, anger, bitterness, resentment, self-protection through disconnection, all those different things block us from our highest joy. And it's a really great reflection of what's going on internally when we start looking at how we're viewing the outside. I find that when I am the most judgmental, it's a sign for me that I am incredibly judgmental of myself as well. There's something that is occurring that has me being incredibly judgmental of myself. And so people watching, try that, people watching. Not for what people usually do with people watching in terms of judging everybody and bringing out the popcorn and having fun, but people watching as in when you see people that are different than you, What is the narratives that are coming up? Because that is the exact narrative that you have of yourself. 
there's something about you that you think is weird or think is not good enough or fat or skinny or this, that, and the other thing. Those are all narratives that we have of ourselves that we, we project onto others. So others is such a great mirror for what is going on for us internally. And so, you know, last couple of pieces I just want to touch on is often I'll also hear, you know, who I am is no one's business. And that's true. It's true that, you know, you don't have to answer to anyone. You are your own sovereign person. But at the same time, especially if it isn't hurting anyone, especially it, 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 with the preface, that's not hurting anyone. But here's the thing is that who you're being, is it serving you or hurting you as well? If you're not hurting other people, are you hurting yourself? Is it bringing you closer to people and connection or is it bringing you further away? Is it enriching your life or is it destroying your life? Is it helping you grow or are you declining? Does it bring you joy or does it bring you emptiness? And that's only a question that you can answer. It's only a question that you can answer when you're truthful with yourself. And what I want to say and what I want to end with as we're, we're closing up this episode is you are not your results. Everything that you've been up until this point does not define you. That is what happened. It is results, but you are not your results, no matter how much people want to tell you. And it is never too late to change, to transform who you are, to look for yourself, to discover your truth self, your highest self. Nothing is set in stone. Nothing is set in stone. The more important question, aside from who you are, is are you willing to do what's uncomfortable and challenging to find and create the best version of yourself? Not just create it, bring it out, bring out the best version of yourself. Or would you rather settle for what's easy or uncomfortable and then look back at your life and realize that you've only been a fraction of who you possibly can be, your highest potential? And so the question I'll leave you with is, are you proud of who you are? When you look back at your life and the way that you're living it right now, are you proud of who you are? Would you be proud of who you are in the imprint that you left in the world? And if not, the invitation for you today is to start from within. An invitation for you is to take the first step to truly look at yourself for the first time. See what's there. There's nothing wrong. Just see what's there. And when we truly give ourselves permission to finally face what's in front of us, which the most important person to face is ourselves, that is when we finally give ourselves permission to be seen, to heal, to learn, to grow, and to start the journey of pursuing our highest joy and our highest self that we were put on this earth to be. And so thank you so much for joining me once again. I hope that you, uh, this, this conversation had you thinking. Um, I would love to hear from you in terms of what opened up for you, what, uh, what landed for you, what you thought was interesting, what came out for you from this. And I'd love to continue the conversation with you. And so until next time, thank you so much for being with me once again here on the Yes I Can podcast. Keep being fully and apologetically, authentically you. We'll see you next time. The Yes I Can podcast is directed by Paul Can. Executive producers of the podcast are Paul Can, Chelsea Lynn, and Joyce Sauce.